0: Page to Practice – Applying Educational Reading in the Classroom Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Episode three focuses on closing the vocabulary gap by Alex Quigley, and we're lucky enough to have a contribution from Alex to tell us about the book and why he wrote it. Also this episode, we have contributions from two readers who have applied the book to their own classroom practice, and one reader who's applied the book on a whole school level. I first decided to get hold of a copy of Closing the Vocabulary Gap because, as a languages teacher, clearly vocabulary and language learning is something I'm just really, really interested in and something that I also believe is important for every teacher. As a languages teacher, I'm not just interested in teaching Spanish vocabulary, but the making sure that students' English vocabulary is up to scratch too. I really enjoyed reading Closing the Vocabulary Gap, but before I say any more about the book, let's hear from Alex about why he wrote the book and what he thinks the key takeaways for teachers are. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast.
1: Hello, my name is Alex Quigley, uh, author of Closing the Vocabulary Gap. I wrote the book back when I was an English teacher... And it's pretty much the sum total of my thinking and research and conversations I had with lots of teachers over a couple of years. Um, So many times in my English lessons I recognised were subtle gaps between successful pupils and struggling pupils um, would manifest itself as they read and didn't quite understand sentences or as they would write and didn't quite have the voice, have that academic language to present themselves clearly and eloquently. Um, And in many conversations I had with teachers in lots of different subject areas, and then um, in projects I was working with primary school teachers, we were having the same conversation about this notion of not quite having the academic vocabulary to access the school curriculum. So when I started to dig into this question, Um, I started to find that there was quite a lot of research about vocabulary and how important it was to reading comprehension and how when there was a deficit it was a real problem Um, and also how this access to vocabulary started really early and it could be nurtured and it could be something that teachers could recognize um, and do something about and and actually the book came about in terms of thinking of my audience of teachers both primary and secondary that this felt like a problem people could do with knowing more about um, there was a lot of really interesting evidence that attended vocabulary and and language and accessing school and the curriculum um, but also it was um, offering some practical strategies there were other books um, that were particularly excellent so isabel beck's Um, work around vocabulary, um, bringing words to life with um, McEwen and others, um, was a real um, great book. But I felt like there could also be a place to support um, this message that had more of an English school focus. So the audience was primary school teachers, secondary school teachers um, who were teaching um, everything and and the nuanced detail of teaching a word or when... uh, a pupil faced a barrier of vocabulary. It felt like this was for everybody. In terms of the key takeaway, I think there were a few um, aspects that I thought might be useful to take away from the book. First, to understand that vocabulary is a salient issue we can recognise. It's not the only issue. Um, And when a pupil reads or writes, there's lots of different facets. Um, If you look at um, Scarborough's Reading Rope, um, something I share in the book, that reflects how reading is a really complex act multifaceted and you have all these different strands which includes vocabulary as one of the key strands and I don't ever propose that vocabulary is the only issue or we should only teach vocabulary. The book is about recognising that vocabulary is really important for everything we read, everything we write, for the talk that we expect in the classroom and for success within the school gates and far beyond. Um, So my takeaway was to better understand the issue of vocabulary and its importance with reading. Um, I suppose um, the secondary um, takeaway I wanted was some practical strategies. So there is a chapter in the book about practical strategies, but actually I recognise that um, chapter three, which is called What's in a Word, which explores etymology and, and morphology, the history and parts of words, this seems to really caught on with teachers as a really accessible, practical approach they can take um, and you're never teaching one word when you're looking at word parts and morphology. You're always looking at the heart of language and you could teach one word, but you're actually teaching the word family. So every word you teach, you teach ten. Um, and that's the sort of great useful insight teachers want to be able to apply on a Monday morning um, and on a Thursday afternoon. You know, it's great to have that theory and that underpinning understanding of language and um, curriculum and and the academic language of school, but then you need some things to do. I think other strategies um, include the likes of um, the Freya model, um, which is effectively just a graphic organiser where you take uh, a word that you've chosen to teach, you place it in the middle of this graphic organiser, and then you have four quadrants. Um, Most typically that includes a definition, examples, non-examples, but actually as I show in the book, um, you can be quite flexible. So in my secondary English teaching, um, I adapted the model um, to link with themes um within text etc so it's quite flexible the actual underlying principle of the frame model um, is that you break down a word into its constituent parts you understand the inferences and the links and the ideas that words might generate you might link it to concepts you might create visuals around it so the frame model um, has been a really practical strategy that people have grabbed hold of um, interestingly Over three years ago, actually, the Freya model was something that was part of my performance management target. I was focusing on vocabulary instruction. Um, You can see the origins of the book emerged out of my teaching practice. And one of the things that I focused on using was the Freya model. Um, I focused on using it in year 10 GCSE, teaching poetry, Um, and very distinctly I can remember teaching using the Freya model to teach words like chartered from um, Blake's London Um, And because it was a professional development target, I actually captured as much evidence of pupils' writing, of of their kind of attitude to different approaches to vocabulary, including the frame model. So it was a real interesting dive down into the nuances of that strategy. And I think the book offers lots of different strategies. So I pose the seek model, um, select, explain, explore, and consolidate, which is about identifying vocabulary to teach. It's about how you might teach a word, how you might explain it, um, and just the nuances of how you need to come back to that word and consolidate. Understanding. Um, for me, all of these strategies are really handy and useful, but critically it is about understanding the fundamental issue of language and the academic language of school and and noting that every time you read, vocabulary is an important thread um, in that rope. And that actually, once you understand the role of vocabulary, then you can start to teach more responsively. You can, when a pupil is reading a science textbook, you can identify where they might have issues with vocabulary. You can also identify opportunities for explicit vocabulary teaching. And that type of responsiveness um, offers teachers the basic tools to do that better job. And and it's a hundred small things done well every half term rather than one big change um, that feels hard to grasp and hard to manage. So um, in terms of what I've taken from the book in terms of audiences, I've had lots of responses, both primary and secondary school teachers engaging with the book. I've been really pleased when Um, You've seen either departments of secondary or whole schools try and organise and cohere implementation around vocabulary, around reading, around talk and academic talk in the classroom. Um, Because actually, even for a teacher to make small habit changes, just using the SEEK model, it's just better to do that within a supportive framework. It's better to do that with sustained supportive training within departments, within phase teams, year teams, and as a whole school. So I've been really pleased when schools have taken this on collaboratively. And I'm moving on in um, the follow-up. Um, Book on reading and and writing after that. I'm effectively trying to identify the evidence and the strategies and and bring my practice in the classroom to bear and lots of other great teachers who I've had dialogue with and, and had the great chance to watch their practice. And actually, this is about trying to break down the fundamental aspects of literacy in the classroom and make them accessible and useful for teachers. And in truth, I'm writing books that I wish I had when I was a new teacher um, a long, long time ago, about 16 years ago. Um, The first book on vocabulary has been accessed really well and I've been delighted by the response.
0: You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag #PagePracticePodcast. What I really enjoyed about hearing Alex speak about closing the vocabulary gap is the mention of the different strategies that teachers have been able to apply in their classrooms on Monday morning, on Thursday afternoon and throughout the week. I especially liked his model that he explains called Select, Explain, Explore, Consolidate, the SEEK model, Um, and it's something I've been thinking about as it must be very relevant to MFL too. What I really enjoyed most from the book is the idea of word curiousness and building that curiosity in students. I really enjoy being able to take a dive into the etymology of of some words when I'm teaching, especially when I realise that the word I'm teaching in Spanish is a cognate to an English word that maybe students don't know. And having that opportunity to build their English vocabulary knowledge at the same time as their Spanish is really important and something that I really enjoy. Next up, we're going to hear from Anthea and from Rachel about how they've applied the strategies from closing the vocabulary gap in their own classrooms.
2: Hello my name's Anthea Harper Um, I am a Year 9 coordinator for English in a secondary school down in Cornwall. Over the summer I read Closing the Vocabulary Gap by Alex Quigley. Uh, I found this book so interesting and probably one of the best books that I've read um, in terms of helping me improve my practice and think about really valuable things that I can add to my teaching. Um, I think the main takeaway for me was the importance of vocabulary Vocabulary and how it can really make a student fly. I'm have done examining for um, the English language exams this year and last year for AQA and I've noticed that one of the main differentiators between a middle band dancer and a top band dancer is their vocabulary and how well they can express themselves using a real variety of language and I think um, this book really helped me find ways of exploring how I can teach language rather than just saying, you know, here are your keywords for today, here's the definitions, let's try and use them. I think one of the things that I was most interested in was the real push on the etymology of the words so looking at where words have come from and word patterns so breaking words down into smaller chunks thinking well where have we seen this prefix and this suffix before how can we help us um, use it to work out the definition of the word. Um, I've actually already planned ahead um, the year nine curriculum and have included this real focus on vocabulary within it uh, which I think is really exciting. Um, the other thing I think is going to be really interesting is I found online I think it was Stephen Pryke he's a really excellent teacher his resources are fantastic so please follow him if you don't already he's created a vocabulary worksheet which is you have the word, the definition, a box to fill in the etymology, and then several different boxes about exploring that word in different ways. So it's debating it in terms of the topic, it's um, thinking how it links to previous learning, it's turning the word into a picture, so some nice dual coding, and that really links with um, Alex Quigley's key messages from the book saying, um, you know, we need to explore words rather than just giving them to students, we need to find different ways of looking at them to help students remember them. I really, really think it's a must read for all teachers. Um, You know, yes I'm an English teacher so vocabulary is at the heart of what we learn, however there was so much useful information there for science teachers, for maths teachers, for history teachers, a broad, broad spectrum of how we can and should be teaching vocabulary to our students to really really help them fly. It's a must read.
3: Hi, my name's Rachel Wild and I'm a history teacher and head of EPR in Yorkshire. I'm currently in my sixth year of teaching and I teach ages 11 to 16. I decided to read the vocabulary gap over summer. I've recently become a middle leader and I really champion literacy within my lessons. However, I didn't feel that I was necessarily extending the students' vocabulary and enhancing it as much as I possibly could. So I hence, I chose this book um, to have a go. And there's been a number of key takeaways that I've took from the book and applied in the classroom. Uh, The first one was the need and importance for planned and explicit teaching of new vocabulary. So since I've read the book, I've applied a number of the models that they show in the book. Um, So I've used the Freya model with the word suffrage. That worked incredibly well for students to decipher that actually it has nothing to do with suffering. It is linked to the vote. I've used word definitions within knowledge tests. So asking students to define keywords whilst also testing their knowledge and their recall from previous topics. I've also um, asked students to highlight the keywords within their written work to show themselves that they are using that vocabulary and to self assess if they've used it within the right context. So, if for instance they've used it in the right tense or actually that needs to be amended. Another key takeaway um, from the book was the exposure of higher-level vocabulary. And one of the key themes of the book is to close the pupil premium gap, we need to close the vocabulary gap. And that really hit home because my school has a real mixture of very deprived students but actually very wealthy students. And the gap has narrowed significantly through our efforts, but this is another way that we can close that gap. And it really got me thinking about the fact they don't have those conversations at home and they aren't exposed to that higher-level vocabulary necessarily so since I read the book and that chapter in particular I've been really conscious within my teaching of the vocabulary that I'm using and often even just within a sentence I will kind of write words on the board that I've used that have struck an interest or students have said I'm not quite sure what that means or I've said a word and then defined it so they have got that meaning there so students are getting more exposure to that I've also introduced more texts within my lessons that are moving away from a textbook and introducing them to higher level vocabulary. For example, I used a Guardian article with Year 8 and we picked apart the language that was used to help them understand what the article was saying. Also introducing historical work and historians work at higher levels in Year 9, 10 and 11. Um, And that vocabulary, having keywords on the board, creating word banks as we read it, um, has really then reflected in their written work that exposure to that higher level vocabulary. Um, another thing I've been doing is the word of the week in my classroom. I do this with my form group. Um, there's an incredible resource on Twitter from Jennifer Webb, um, an English teacher. Our school actually has their own word of the week in the planner, so I've been using that. But if you wanted to use one, there is a great one out there. And what we've been doing on a Monday is defining the word, but also talking about subjects you might use the word in and context you might use the word in. And then at the end of the week, we've discussed where we've used it and if if it was a hard word to use or an easy word to use or if they've been able to use it in conversations. So actively extending that vocabulary for my form group and I have that on display in my classroom as well so my, my students can also use the word of the week and are encouraged to do so. And then finally, another takeaway from it was the repeated exposure to new and relevant vocabulary. Um, One thing I'm in the process of creating is a word wall with definitions. So students have that vocabulary in the book, but it's also there in front of them. They're reminded to use that vocabulary and those keywords also building it into starter tasks and iterative tasks at the beginning of a lesson through interleaving the topics as per our curriculum and that's proved really useful of just recalling those definitions and getting them to think about it because once they've thought about it they then use those words within the work and I think something I'm looking to develop more is actually just using words that aren't necessarily linked to the content but are higher level words that they should be using within their writing and to define those so not just having content specific words within my knowledge tests. Um, now I'd really highly recommend the vocabulary gap to anyone that wants to improve and become more confident with developing vocabulary within the classroom. It's applicable to all subjects and it kind of encapsulated every child in the classroom, all those difficult ones that find it hard to read or how to structure sentences or even with spelling and there's ideas to support everyone within that book and it's really useful that um, Alex gives some examples of different subjects and how you can use it within your subject as well because it gets you thinking a bit more and a bit more practically there's also really practical tips in there and you can just read a chapter and use it the next day in the classroom which I really liked Um, and I hope you find it useful too you're
0: listening to from page to practice Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thank you so much to Anthea and Rachel for those contributions. It's great to hear someone that's been able to apply these ideas straight from the page and put them straight into their classroom. It's so good to hear each contributor mentioning other teachers to follow on Twitter, people who've shared good resources. Um, And it's great to hear the little summaries of strategies from the book. And if I hadn't read the book, then after hearing those ideas, I'd like to read a bit more. Finally, we're going to hear from Eugene, who is returning to contribute to the podcast once again after appearing on the Impact special released last month. He is going to tell us about his whole school experience as SENCO and Head of Year 7 and how he used Closing the Vocabulary Gap to really make a difference to those students.
4: Eugene McFadden. I'm an assistant head at a large comprehensive school uh, in a coastal town. I'm a SENCO. I've been doing this job, this particular job a few months, but I've previously been head of year seven. um, And this is a podcast around my experiences of closing the vocabulary back gap um, in reference to Alex Quigley's book. So last year I took on being head of year seven and also being Senko, which was a really interesting experience for me because my most important thing was to create a kind of fine mesh that just caught all those kids coming in who needed additional support. Having a complete oversight at year 7 really helped me do that. Um, and one of the things I was really keen on was reading ages. I did a lot of reading before I took on the actual official role and one of the things I read really heavily and totally ripped off was closing the vocabulary gap. Now What we basically did was we made um, made Year 7 very vocabulary intensive. I mean initially what we did was everyone come into Year 7 did a reading test um, and it gave us a reading age. And the reading test we did is uh, taken from the RAP4 Cognitive Assessment testing unit Um, and I really liked the reading test in that for basically three reasons. Reason one is it's really easy to administer and mark. That's so important. Two, it gives you a reading age you can extract quite quickly. And three, it is not a SATs type paper. It really, attests the subtle understanding of vocabulary in the English, English language. And these are the key things you need to be academically successful. You know, you need to know words, You need to be able to read words. You need to understand what sentences mean. So everyone in year seven sat a reading test and that gave us a kind of like an understanding of where they were in terms of their their reading age. And on the back of that, everyone with reading age under 10 did phonics intervention to catch them up. Really intensive every day. But we needed something as well to just support everyone. You know, because you raise everyone, you raise those who are lower down as well. Um, so we did a few things which we basically just took out of um, closing the vocabulary gap. So everyone in year seven got a Wonder Words book, which was uh, a load of Freya diagrams, which is a way of recording new vocabulary. Um, and pretty much all the appendices from closing the vocabulary gap, were put in there as well, made child friendly. And I produced this book, um, not gonna lie, I have certain weaknesses, making things pretty, it's definitely one of them. So I did a kind of rough draft of the book, and someone else who was way better at that kind of thing than me, made it look really pretty and, and appealing. And then everyone year seven got this vocabulary recording book, everyone. And one tutor time a week was around vocabulary. Um, and we had like a word of the week. Every week had a word of the week. Teachers were using it in lessons. Uh, the year sevens were, were listening, finding it, using them in lessons, getting a report back to me. Then they get like our CV points, which they could you know spend on there in the CV shop, that kind of thing. So we'd like things to get them using using new vocabulary and recording new vocabulary in their vocabulary book. And there were prizes and certificates for who was going above and beyond. So obviously every week you'd get one word of the week, which we are going to vocab book and we do work around that. But also the kids could use them in lessons, record new vocabulary in lessons. And that would, and the more they did, the bigger the prize they got. And that was really good. And they also had a place for their root words, to store their root words. Lots of mean stuff from closing the vocabulary gap around uh, their key vocabulary, key words where language comes from. And we had really intensive like tutor workshops around that and around using a good vocabulary. And I was improving the teach knowledge of my tutor team, who were then using that to support the pupils. Um, and that was a, a big push vocabulary, keywords, getting them to do the academic talk. And then obviously we retest them at the end of year seven, same reading test and First time ever, majority of pupils made at least one year's progress in terms of their reading. By, by majority, I mean basically pretty much everyone did at least that. Many did more than a chronological leap forward, so a year gap, and they'd improved by 18 months in their reading ability. Um, some pupils, you know, our, our SEN ones, had improved, you know, way more. I mean, some of them came to come to us and read reading age of five years. You know, if you've come to us, we're a reading age of five years, after like, what, seven years in school, you basically stood still, haven't you? And for them to gain two years in their reading in one year, it's a hell of an improvement. And I think, obviously, a lot of intensive SEN support, but also that kind of vocabulary-rich environment we were creating for them. And a chance for them to, you know, use the vocabulary in lessons. Um, record it in different ways so all in all I thought it was it was quite a successful little project um, certainly the year sevens got a lot out of it if I was gonna do it differently well I am doing it different this year we're going around the route of like pupils having books read to them um, I've created like a um, adventurous nonfiction and fiction um, booklet for the year eights so they were year seven last year they're now year eight they've got that good vocabulary they've got that good um understanding and now they're reading challenging fiction and non-fiction um i put together kind of book for them again that's in their two at times and that's their stretch and challenge there um and i'll test them again at some point and see if they've gone forward if they've gone back how they're doing so yeah closing vocabulary gap has definitely had big impact on that particular cohort. Um, we're now trialing with the current year sevens, just them being read to every single day, which I've seen, which isn't really close to the Capri gap, um, but it's not a piece of um, research I've seen. You said they have been being read to every day, a challenging book, um, so that along with drop everything and read and some other like strategies I'm hoping is gonna support their reading. So yeah, I think as a book, it's as a a book with a section of tools, it's been really helpful and really effective. But no less than anything else, is about that kind of staff buy-in and make sure the staff know about the strategies and use the strategies. And my next big whole school project is going to be to get that kind of every department in the school. That's like eighty odd teachers, every other department in the school teaching vocabulary in the same way which i suppose is no small thing but i'll let you know how that one goes all right thanks a lot i hope you've got something out of this if you do want to see my wonder words book or any other resources i've put together please just drop me a line um on twitter which my twitter handle is i think it's usually mcfadden my twitter handle all right thanks a lot bye
0: you're listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast. it's been great to be able to bring you not only classroom applications but also whole school applications today so thank you so much to anthea rachel and to eugene for their contributions For me, some of the most notable incidences of then being a vocabulary gap to close actually have come with some of my older students. For example, in the sixth form, when we come across a word um, that is a cognate to an English word that might be a slightly higher register word or more academic vocabulary that students don't know, the students that know these words find it easier to then access the Spanish text and therefore achieve more of the reading comprehension, the listening comprehension, whatever it is that we're currently working on. What I've noticed more recently is that there are a host of students who maybe don't know the word in English and therefore struggle to access some of the Spanish words that they need to understand. Luckily, once students have reached the stage of studying a language A-level, they tend to be students who really are word curious they want to know more about the words they'll make those detailed notes this week I did find myself when speaking to year 12 really really emphasizing the importance of detailed vocabulary notes and learning even more than I had done in the past and I do think some of that is because of my kind of heightened awareness of it this week whilst I've been planning this episode Reading closing the vocabulary gap has not only been really useful to me in terms of thinking about working with my form group and PD lessons uh, and the English vocabulary, but actually thinking about how I approach teaching vocabulary in my Spanish lessons and what I could be doing differently, how I could be extending that to really, really help students, not only with their Spanish vocabulary, but with their English too. The next episode from Page to Practice is going to be all about boys don't try. I've got a couple of contributors on board already, but if after hearing today's episode and hearing what the contributors have to say and how easy it could be to join in, you've decided you'd like to join in, please, please get in touch. You can find me at BexN91 on Twitter. You can tweet with the hashtag pagepracticepodcast or you can visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash pagepracticepodcast. I really look forward to hearing from you. It's great each time to get another set of contributors on board. Thanks for your help. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast thanks go to kevin mcleod of Incomitech.com for use of the tracks cheery monday and fuzzball parade which are licensed under creative commons